You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. Sustainable finance is top of mind for issuers and investors as the sector continues to grow. Sustainable finance is evolving at a rapid pace, and Canada has the opportunity to lead. Joining me on this episode of Market Points are Brett House, Vice President and Deputy Chief Economist at Scotiabank, and Bob Nguyen, Managing Director and Head of Fixed Income Origination at Scotiabank. Brett House is first on deck as he covers Canada's sustainable finance position in the global context. Welcome back, Brett. Always great to have you on the podcast. Good to speak with you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. For many of us, the recent Canadian federal election didn't seem to have much of an effect. It didn't seem to change anything. What's your take? Well, while many dismissed the Canadian federal election as inconsequential because it produced very few changes in the party's share of seats in Parliament, it was really a pivotal election on climate policy. It was the first national election in Canada where all of the major parties offered substantial policies on carbon. And the electoral results reflected polls that consistently show that most Canadians think global warming is a major issue and want Canada to lower emissions, where we're one of the biggest per capita emitters in the world. So I would argue we now have a clear consensus behind acting on carbon emissions. And the party platforms imply that we have a political consensus on using market mechanisms to do so. A new minority liberal government is going to have more than sufficient support from opposition parties to continue pursuing its approach to carbon pricing, to institutionalizing that approach more deeply so that companies and households have greater certainty about what carbon costing is going to look like going into the future. And I think there's a clear foundation for government to keep raising the price on carbon to provide a clear incentive to reduce emissions. All of that means corporates will increasingly be investing in efforts to uh, control carbon, and they're going to be looking for financing to do that. Uh, And we often think of new energy and technology companies as the major actors in this space, but really the biggest investments are likely to come in well-established industrial sectors. And this should drive additional issuance of sustainable debt that is explicitly earmarked to fund those investments. We're also likely to see the Canadian sovereign and provincial governments issue in the sustainable market as they fund investments to make their own infrastructure more carbon friendly, uh, to work to control emissions, to underwrite efforts by households and businesses to retrofit and adapt new technology and to finance fundamental research on a lower carbon future. And so with a strong political consensus behind market-based carbon action, uh, we might also see regulators act to facilitate the expansion of financial markets in this space more readily. In a number of other countries, particularly in Europe and the UK, sustainable finance issuance has actually become easier from a regulatory perspective than placements using traditional instruments. And all of this activity is likely to grow further as Canadian governments take on and adapt to and commit to more ambitious climate targets. And they're going to be acting not just to finance mitigation of climate change, but adaptation too. And as we've seen this year in Canada, uh, the need for adaptation is just going to get more intense. How do you look at Canada within the greater context of the global sustainable finance market? 
you know, it's always important to think of where Canada sits globally as a small open economy. We are really subject to international trends. We can lead in some ways. And I think, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for us to do so, uh, but we have to be really thoughtful about it. Right now, sustainable bond issuance in the Canadian market accounts for around three to 4% of global sustainable uh, debt issuance. That's roughly in line or a bit better than Canada's 2% share of global fixed income markets. And so Canada's holding its own right now in the sustainable finance market. And arguably, I'd say we're catching up because we had a relatively slow start compared with actors in the UK and European markets. As I mentioned already, regulators have acted in a variety of ways to smooth sustainable issuance in both the British and European capital market spaces. And issuers are really responding with stepped up supply and new products. You're seeing straight vanilla bonds, contingent debt instruments, covered bonds, and a range of credit facilities with sustainable features attached to them. Um, and more recently, for instance, we're building and seeing real growth in the sustainable finance space through the development of sustainable repo operations. Now, it's worth explaining what a repo is. Uh, repo is short for repurchase, an agreement involving the exchange of existing holdings of securities uh, for cash, which can be used to finance operations or new investments. And this space really offers a huge opportunity for sustainable financing in repos. Uh, because the proceeds can be used in a number of different ways. Uh, the cash leg of the transaction can fund sustainable projects. Uh, the collateral that's offered in a repo operation can be specified to be sustainable uh, securities. And the rate that is charged for borrowing in a repo operation could be tied to sustainability goals. So there is a really big range for innovation here, and you're seeing both issuers and markets respond to that possibility. And it's not just established companies and established markets, but we're also seeing some of this in innovation coming forward in emerging Europe, Asia, and Latin America. Uh, we're also seeing a little bit of a blurring of the lines around what we call sustainable and that some uh, COVID-related financing, pandemic control financing, is being brought forward and classed as sustainable finance in some places. Overall, you know, we've seen uh, sustainable issues have been given a bit of a, a greenium, as some have called it. You know, they're they're able to issue at more favorable rates than traditional issuance. But I think, and many other observers think that as we see continued attachment of sustainable features to more and more financial vehicles and they become the norm rather than the exception, that greenium might start to disappear a bit because it will just be the market rather than a subset of the market going forward. You were mentioning that in general, Canada is playing a bit of catch up. So do you feel there really is an opportunity for Canada to lead in this space? Yeah, I think there really is. Uh, you know, Canada is a world leader and has been for decades and having some of the most open, stable capital markets in the world with some of the most reliable regulatory structures. Also, uh, the Canadian sovereign and several of our provincial governments are some of the most highly rated debt issuers in the world. So that provides us with a real opportunity to lead with innovative issuance that is likely to be met by market demand uh, because of the strong nature of the credits that exist here on the public side. From the bird's eye view to boots on the ground, 
Bob Nguyen has played a big role in bringing leading sustainable debt structures to market. Bob spoke about how important sustainability-linked bonds are to Canada's energy transition. Bob, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. You're right in the thick of things. Uh, what's on your radar with respect to sustainable finance? So I think a notable development for, for Canada this year and a developing trend abroad has been uh, the growth of the sustainability-linked bond market. Um, just to provide a bit of context, high level, the sustainable debt market, which includes all products, uh, bonds and loans, has grown to approximately $3 trillion since the market started in 2013. And, and the uh, growth of the market has been accelerating over the past few years. Uh, within that market, the global market, the bulk of the issuance has been what we call activity-based debt. Uh, in other words, the labels attached to the use of proceeds from the issuance. You know, the most common example probably being green bonds, uh, which really formed the basis of the market back in 2013. Uh, and since then, we've added social bonds and sustainable bonds. And sustainable bonds, for context, is a combination of social and green uses of proceeds. I'd say since 2020, when ICMA first defined the framework for sustainability-linked debt, uh, we've seen a very significant growth in that component of the market. For example, you know, this year alone, we've seen $60 billion of issuance of SLBs or sustainability-linked bonds, uh, which is about five times the volumes we saw in 2020, so quite significant amount of growth. And you know, the development of this market, I think, is interesting for a number of reasons. But I think you know, one of the core reasons why it's interesting to me from a Canadian context is that it could be a key instrument uh, that we use in the financing of the energy transition for the broader economy. And I think this is key because where we restrict uses of proceeds for green bonds, SLBs are much more flexible in relation to how we use the proceeds to finance transition. Can you talk a little bit about the issues Scotia's been involved with recently? For sure. You know, when I talk about the Canadian market opening up for SLBs, really there are two cases that uh, highlight this. And, and we've been very fortunate to be uh, structuring advisors on both. You know, the first issue to hit the Canadian market was TELUS, which issued a $750 million 10-year bond, a long 10-year bond, where the the uh, SLB was structured around KPIs that focused on greenhouse gas emissions in scope one and scope two. And so how it works is the target was a 46% reduction in scope one and two emissions by 2030 versus a 2019 baseline. And if the company were not to meet that target, then there's a step up in the coupon and instrument of 100 basis points for the final year of the instrument. So effectively, if the company doesn't meet its target, the investors get uh, a coupon bump. But you know, I can say fairly, most investors are not hoping for that to happen. Uh, they're investing in these instruments, uh, hoping that the company is successful and stays aligned to their KPIs. The second issue was uh, around Enbridge, and Enbridge is, you know, a bit of a trailblazer. They were the first midstream company globally uh, and the first uh, issuer of SLBs in the North American energy sector, so really quite notable. For their second SLB, which was directed at the Canadian market, they issued uh, a $1.1 billion 12-year bond. It had multiple KPIs, but really the investors were focused on really their uh, KPIs are, uh, uh, in relation to greenhouse gas emissions. But ultimately, there were three KPIs, one around diversity in their broader workforce, as well as diversity on the board uh, in terms of board representation as well. What's the typical structure then for an SLB where you've got these multiple KPIs? You know, what what if one's missed but another is hit? What's the effect and how is that managed? Um, so in the case of Enbridge, um, 
you know, they had those three separate KPIs. So two of them, the ones around ethnic diversity and, and racial diversity and workforce, as well as the one around governance, female representation on the board, had an assessment date of December 2025 for their climate KPI around scope one and scope two emissions, which was a reduction in intensity by 35%. That was measurable as of December 2030. So there were different assessment dates depending on the KPI, as well as different coupon step-ups. So for the workforce and board representation KPIs, those represented a five basis point coupon step-up as of their respective assessment dates versus the greenhouse gas emissions KPI, which had a 50 basis point step up. What has been your experience when you're talking to corporate leaders putting out these issues just with respect to their confidence of hitting targets? Well, what investors want, and I think what corporate leaders want as well, is to have targets that are additional, ambitious, and represent a, a change in future direction. Equally, nobody wants to put out targets that are unattainable. So, you know, it's a, really a balance of having confidence to be able to, to meet it, but also being able to indicate to the market that this is an ambitious target. And that's what investors are looking for. Investors are looking for additionality. They're looking for a certain measure of ambitiousness in what companies are setting out in terms of their targets. How did these, uh, the two issues that you spoke of, the TELUS and the Enbridge, how do they perform in the market? Well, I think this is the key point and a key point that gives me confidence when I talk about SLBs as a potential source of financing for energy transition. Uh, the fact that both issues received such overwhelming demand in the market uh, gives me a lot of confidence that the, the Canadian Investor Universe is going to be there to support you know, our, our best Canadian clients and companies through this energy transition. So uh, both issues were heavily oversubscribed and both issues saw a lot of uh, investors come out and, and buy the issue. So in both cases, they performed remarkably well and were able to achieve you know, what we call a greenium, which is a premium over ordinary bonds in, in relation to their pricing. What would you say, Bob, that you're most excited about just with respect to the SLB space looking forward? Well, I think we're going to see more SLBs. Uh, you know, companies are still going through strategic reviews in relation to their own plans around ESG and certainly along their trajectory and journey towards net zero. So, you know, as a tool, the market is setting up very well. You know, it's going to be evolving. You know, investors are going to demand ambitiousness uh, in order to allocate capital and, and pay effectively a premium relative to ordinary debt. But all of the demand that we did see for the two issues is very confidence and inspiring, I would say. And I think corporate leaders should should look at these examples and feel confident that you know, investors will be there to support them as long as they're setting up appropriately in relation to their own ESG strategy. That was Bob Wynn, Managing Director and Head of Fixed Income Origination at Scotiabank. And earlier in the program, we heard from Scotiabank's Vice President and Deputy Chief Economist, Brett House. You can now find Scotiabank's Market Points on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we want to hear from you. Please rate and review us. Your feedback helps us improve the capital markets content we create for you. You can also find more thought-leading content on our website, gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. I'm Greg White. Thanks for listening.
This communication does not constitute investment advice or any personal recommendation to invest in a financial instrument or investment research. This communication is provided for information and discussion purposes only. An investment decision should not be made solely on the basis of the contents of this communication. It is not to be construed as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments and has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any recipient. The information in this communication is based on publicly available information, and although it has been compiled or obtained from sources believed to be reliable, such information has not been independently verified and no guarantee, representation, or warranty, express or implied, is made as to its accuracy, completeness, or correctness. Past performance or simulated past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. Forecasts are not a reliable indicator of future performance. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website.